bold and raw perspectives of local politics. Important information which impacts our community, nation, and world. Exposing truth, transparency, and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media. And always keeping it real. It's the Michelle Tanner Podcast. But I won't back down. Hello, hello, and a big welcome to the Michelle Tanner Podcast. We've got a really exciting show today. We have actually Trent Staggs here with us, who is the current mayor of Riverton, Utah, but he is actually running to be our next U.S. Senator. So currently we've got Mitt Romney. I think we all can agree he needs to go. So I'm really excited to see Trent Staggs willing to step up and put his name forward. I wanted to first just put a reminder in because we are in election season right now. We have the municipal election going on and this is the most vital municipal election we have seen here in the city of St. George. A lot hinges on this election. So if you have not voted yet, make sure that you do. You can vote in person on September 5th at the Dixie Center. Early voting is also available. Get online, vote.utah.gov. Paula Smith, Eros Mackey, and Brad Bennett are the three that I am supporting. So get out there and vote. We also have a congressional race going on right now. But for today's episode, I'm really excited to focus on this U.S. Senate race going on. So I actually first noticed Trent and first saw his name actually back during COVID times when he was one of the few mayors, elected representatives who I saw in this state who had some common sense, who had a backbone, who was willing to stand up and say, we're not reforce enforcing these ridiculous mandates. Myself being a medical professional, also speaking up against mandates during that time, a lot of that is what drove me to get involved politically as seeing how vital it is that we have elected representatives who understand our God-given rights and the importance of securing those and upholding their oath to the Constitution. So without further ado, Trent Staggs, thank you for joining me today. Maybe just give us a, a brief background about yourself. Who is Trent Staggs? Michelle, great to be on the podcast. Uh, you know, I like to say I'm a lifelong Utah. And I've from elementary school to graduate school, I've attended Utah schools. I've raised my family here. My wife and I uh, have two great children. And I've operated several businesses in the state. In fact, I helped take a company public last year. We got listed on NASDAQ in the energy industry. Um, and for the last 10 years, I've been leading my community in Riverton, uh, four on the council, six as mayor. And during that time, as you as you indicated, I've exhibited some backbone, you know, one that likes to stand up and push back against the establishment. I like to say that mayors and local elected officials were really on the front lines of pushing back uh, against federal, state, and county overreach. Um, you know, we should be. Absolutely. And that's what I've exhibited. That's what's typified my career is really being able to push back. So standing up during the COVID lockdowns, I've I've actually cut taxes in our community. I've innovated to lower the cost of government and improve services. And, you know, all of that is what I think we need now more than ever in Washington, D.C., representing us. 
Amazing. And maybe you can speak to these rumors that we're hearing right now of COVID 2.0. Do you think there's any truth to this? Is there fear mongering going on? And if there is truth to this, what would you do if elected to be our next U.S. senator to help protect the citizens from these mandates? Well, I, I, I really I've already put out a kind of a preemptive strike, if you will. Um, I, I put out there on social media and even wrote an article that if if these do come back, I will hold the line like I did before. Um, there's just there's no place for it. I mean, I think we've been totally vindicated. And like you said, you are one of those voices of sanity a few years ago, too, saying, wait a minute, something doesn't look right here. Uh, so I think we've been completely vindicated in that. And we, I, I trust residents to be able to make that decision uh, for themselves. And as a U.S. Senator, uh, absolutely need to err on the side of freedom and liberty and not uh, force and compel people uh, to to really restrict their own their own uh, personal behaviors. And, and that's something I've I've proven I would do and I have done as a mayor and something I would carry forward with me in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that stance, that backbone. Something else that has stood out to me about you is I've heard you use the term separation of woke and state. And I don't think I could say that any better. Tell us a little bit about what that actually means and what is your position on the U.S. Department of Education and all of the wokeism being funneled into our public education system. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrendous what is being funneled into our education system. And and if you go to treadstags.com, you'll see that I will champion three themes: smaller government, safer families, and a stronger economy. And under safer families, my three policy prescriptions there is well, two of the three is one is to get rid of the Department of Education. There's no constitutional mandate for this. It's a uh, it's it's a growth of government. You know they've got about 180 billion dollars I think budgeted uh, for the Department of Education. There's a huge opportunity uh, for savings there and to be able to put back to the localities something that should be completely within their control and within parents' control. I say that parents' control over their children's education isn't just priority A for me but it's priorities A through Z. It's all about uh, parent control. And you know, local governments do it better. That's something that I've seen as a mayor. I've, I've actually had our city uh, pull out of countywide services, and I found time and again that we've done it less expensively, and we've provided a higher level, level of service. So local government, and you know this well too, uh, it's the government closest to the people that governs best. Uh, the Constitution defines few you know, powers that were supposed to be uh, just within the purview of the federal government and all the rest left to the states and to the people, respectively. So um, that is something that I will definitely push for is uh, to just get rid of that Department of Education altogether. And, and one of the other things under Safer Families is to have that wall of separation between woke and state. I say that I will be woke's worst nightmare. Um, there's absolutely no place for it. Uh, and, and sadly, this federal government, this Biden administration has been all, you know, too eager to endorse this wokeism and its infiltration throughout not just the educational system, but our military and many other areas. And there absolutely is no place for this whatsoever. 
Yeah, I could not agree more. Now, have you and Riverton experienced any of the inappropriate books in your schools there, the pornography in schools? And if so, how have you dealt with that as a mayor? Yes, uh, great question. We have, sadly. And and I, I got to say, as a, a parent of a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, you know, I never thought that I would I would have to deal with this issue for them and definitely not in Utah. I didn't think I would see this day, but sadly it's here. There've been some great parent organizations out there like uh, Utah Parents United and others that have made um, this issue front and center. And many of my residents that have come and approached me and highlighted the fact that there are several inappropriate materials in schools. And so as a result of that, um, I actually brought this issue up. I have a school safety roundtable that I, I started back in 2018, my first year as mayor, where I invite the principals of all the schools into a meeting along with administration and first responders and say, hey, look, the city doesn't have responsibility or is not charged with providing for the educational curriculum or for funding of schools, but these are our kids and we are charged with their safety with respect to school resource officers and crossing guards it's cities that that cover that cost i think many people aren't aware of that um so we want to be able to do what we can and this topic came up um sadly nothing happened throughout the entirety of the school year so at a board meeting in april which the jordan school district has their board meetings in riverton i showed up and just said look this is this is unacceptable an entire school year has gone by. I won't stand for another school year to have these books in schools. We need to take action now. Uh, House Bill 374 at the state that was sponsored by Representative Ken Ivory clearly defines what is objectionable, what, what crosses what they call the bright line and is wholly inappropriate for kids. It has no educational value whatsoever. These books need to be removed. And um, unfortunately, they've not taken that action. So again, here just the other week, um, we I put together a statement and had about 20 other elected officials in the, the southern part of Salt Lake County within the Jordan School District boundaries sign on to that as well, pushing back and saying, look, you as school board members, you need to exercise your authority in uh, that state law has given you to get these materials out of school. And so uh, we're now working with school board members to do that, and I hope um, that that happens immediately. But I, again, another instance or example of me stepping up, um, being willing to stand up against uh, something that I think is a, a very, very big concern for our kids that's you know protecting them. Absolutely. And I like to see that leadership because so oftentimes we have elected representatives who just get in and then they go along to get along and nobody takes any accountability. And, you know, it'd be very easy for you as the mayor to just pawn it off and say, oh, that's not my jurisdiction. There's nothing I can do. So it's important that we do have elected representatives who are not afraid to be a voice and an advocate and a true representative for the people, even if you aren't yourself a school board member. So I definitely appreciate that aspect about you. Something else I wanted to talk to you about, a, a concern I hear from a lot of people is Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum. Do yeah. you have any ties to any of these globalist organizations and what is your position on things like Agenda 2030? Yeah, no, I, I don't. The short answer is I, I really 
I, I think that's what is resonating so much with my campaign is I'm really an everyday, I really consider myself an everyday Utah. Um, I say I'm authentically Utah and consistently conservative. You know, I, I'm not part of the establishment. Uh, there are candidates in this race that are part of the establishment. They've got all the lobbyists and the special money and PACs behind them. And, you know, they've got their fingers across uh, many, many entities and internationally at that. Um, and, and that's just not me. Um, so I'm very concerned about that. Uh, that's why I, I really characterize my candidacy, my campaign uh, as a America first uh, candidate and candidacy. Uh, that is something that I'm very proud of. I'm proud to have uh, endorsed President Trump. And I, I, I want to really put America first. Um, we cannot we cannot kowtow to uh, to the World Economic Forum and and these international and economic forces that really don't have our best interests in mind. Um, you know, they we we need to make sure that we have a solid and firm national identity that people view themselves as American. They know what it's about to be a citizen of this great country, and uh, we are going to really support uh, support our constitution, which we all have as elected officials an oath to uh, to obey and defend, um, and really not any other interests ahead of the American, our U.S. constitution and our, our citizenry. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And as far as with the U.S. GLC, is that anything related to World Economic Forum or maybe touch on that a little bit for those who have had questions about that affiliation? Yeah, no, it, it is not. I mean, the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition is an organization that really strives to uh, to to advance American interests. Right? It's it's I think fighting against having the pressure come from World Economic Forum and people outside the U.S. and really trying to put American interests on the world stage um, and, and looking not so much at military application force, but through development and diplomacy. Um, really advancing American interests. And I was asked uh, to participate. Each state has an advisory committee. Uh, it's a very limited role. I was asked to participate. Um, there's some other great conservatives on that committee, uh, like Sean Reyes and Greg Hughes. And uh, seeing that, I, I agreed to, uh, to participate on the committee. And I think maybe once a year, you know, we have a meeting and just talk about companies in Utah that are Utah-based, um, that are trying to do good work internationally. And so it's really just trying to support uh, American companies um, and, uh, and, and interests abroad. So you said something earlier that really impressed me and coming from myself at the municipal level where there are a lot of rumors always about, oh, we need to raise taxes. You mentioned you've lowered taxes. How did you do that? Yeah, I, I was, um, we used to, Riverton City used to receive their law enforcement uh, services or uh, law enforcement was provided by the county. Uh, Salt Lake County has the unified police department. And so it was that countywide service and we had a taxing entity uh, that was county, you know, this Salt Lake Valley law enforcement service area. Uh, that was the means by which we paid for unified police. So when I sat on the board, I recognized that maybe this wasn't the best fit for our community. And uh, we ended up self-providing law enforcement 
Um, we made that move in 2019. And just in the four years or so that we've we've left that taxing district, we were able to cut taxes in year one and we've never looked back. And so for our residents, if you compare what they're paying now uh, versus what they would be paying if we were in that county tax district, they've saved over $15 million uh, just in the last few years since we've left it. And again, cut taxes in year one when we left the county district to come into our own. And I saw that as a great opportunity. And that's why I, I led to get our community uh, out of that taxing district into our own where we had more control locally uh, over those those taxes. And uh, not only did we cut taxes there, but I, I think that Riverton really has the lowest taxes and fees in uh, the entire uh, Salt Lake Valley. And wow. that, that's something I'm proud of is to have innovated to really lower the cost of government and improve services. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure that your private sector experience brings a lot to the table. So I think that that really says a lot about your leadership style. So I'm curious your position when it comes to climate change. Yeah, I, I'm uh, one of my big, um, yeah, I, I said my themes are smaller government, safer families, and a stronger economy. And with respect to a strong economy, one of the biggest issues is energy independence. I mean, we were there under President Trump. Um, I know it seems like a long time ago, but we did have $2 gallon gas uh, once upon a time. And we can get there again. You know, and having taken a company public that is in the energy space and had operations in eastern Utah, I mean, this is vitally important. Uh, we have abundant natural resources in this state and across the country, and we need to be able uh, to just unleash those. And do I believe that um, that that mankind should be good stewards of of this earth and of the environment? Absolutely, uh, but it is not at the you know the sacrifice of trillions of dollars uh, that the globalist and climate climatism agenda wants to do. I mean, if 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 the climate crowd and um, environmental crowd was so uh, was so serious, uh, they would be 100% behind nuclear, and they're yeah. not. Um, I think that's very very telling. Um, I'm uh, again, I'm a believer in energy independence, and I don't think that um, that technology or or energy independence and um, and environmental stewardship are, are mutually exclusive. I mean, there's so many great technologies that are out there that can help in that regard, um, but it's vitally important that we become energy independent again for a number of reasons, not just for the economy, but also for national security reasons as well. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of names earlier, Greg Hughes, Sean Reyes. Who would you say is your political idol or who do you align with most that we could expect your leadership style to be closest aligned with? Well, I, I think with the U.S. Senate, um, take a look at our Senator Mike Lee. Uh, I, I've been saying for a long time, he's one that I truly admire. Uh, he's one that I think I, I would I would emulate. There's some others in the U.S. Senate. Uh, that I think are also great conservatives like Rand Paul and uh, Rick Scott, Ron Johnson. Um, and so those those are senators that 
I think you could you could see my voting record perhaps align with and really seek to be an ally of these folks in the Senate. Um, I think having another true conservative in the Senate and getting me in there will really make a difference. It really will. And it'll move the country back in a direction where where we need to be and where our founders intended. Um, so those are folks that I, I think I align well with. And uh, that's the type of conservatism that I would, you know, constitutional conservatism and voting record that one could expect from a Senator Staggs. Awesome. So switching gears a little bit to another hot topic of election integrity, which I know a lot of this boils down to the state level, but what are your feelings about what happened in 2020? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, a lot of concerns. I mean, you look across the country and just the number of people that uh, that had voted, um, it, it really is concerning. I mean, you see some of the examples just down in Arizona uh, that, uh, I, I mean, all kinds of 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 questions that I would have if I were on the ballot down there, and some of yeah these, with Carrie Lake, you mean, and and the governor race down there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I I think that we should be doing all we can do to shore up election integrity, and um, that especially at a time where there are so many questions and concerns, and I think a lot of legitimate ones um, from Americans about the security and the um, uh, integrity of their of their votes. Um, people have asked, well, what is the solution? And, you know, candidly, I think paper ballots and and voter ID work incredibly well. Uh, I think you could eliminate essentially all fraud, uh, any any fraud through those two means. And it's done in other countries. And so I don't know why we would be adverse to that. Um, that's something that, again, has worked very, very well. And, and that would really, I think, eliminate any sort of questions as to the integrity of certain of, of various elections. Yeah, no, I agree. So talking a little bit about the how of once you are in, you're elected, you are U.S. senator. I know we've touched on some of your platform issues, but are there other platform issues and and if so, what would be the how of implementing some of these problems that we have going on right now under Mitt Romney? Yeah, well, I mean, look, Mitt Romney, and you can see this at TrentStags.com in my launch video, I called out, you know, Mitt, he moves to Utah, decides to run for Senate, and he put out just a couple of video spots, and one of them, uh, or commercials, and he put out a 30-second spot entitled Fight For. He said, if you elect me as your senator, I'll fight for Utah every day. I'll put us on a path to a balanced budget. I'll end illegal immigration. I'll stop federal spending and overreach, and I'll appoint conservative justices to the court. Well, his record is just the opposite of that. I mean, he's voted for Ketanji Brown Jackson, who can't even define what a woman is, just a radical associate justice to the Supreme Court, uh, one of just three Republicans, supposed Republicans to do so. He hasn't been serious about ending illegal immigration. He fought hard against uh, President Trump when he had an opportunity to build a border wall to seal that off. You know, just another $5 billion, and that wall is done. And we're sending $130, $140 billion to Ukraine right now, which I think is, is crazy. Um, but he did nothing there, and he voted for Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas. He's one of five or so Republicans that voted to confirm his appointment, and he's been a disaster on the border. And then with respect to spending, just he's voted for trillions more 
in omnibus and infrastructure spending. Um, he's not been serious at all about getting us on a path to a balanced budget. Mike Lee, just in May, put out a letter to the Biden administration. He had 42 other Republicans that signed that letter, including Mitch McConnell, but Mitt Romney wouldn't sign it. And the letter was simply, hey, Biden, we're not gonna raise the debt ceiling unless we get substantial spending cuts and budget reforms. I would have been happy to sign that letter. And so therein lies the differences. Um, you know, he votes for Biden 60% of the time or his, his policy 60% of the time. He encouraged Biden to run for president. It's just disastrous. I mean, we have this horrible administration largely as a result of Mitt Romney and people like him um, that, that really pushed him forward and pulled him across the, that finish line. Um, I would not be one that's gonna be voting with the Biden administration or any type of similar policies. I, I would be one that is going to first and foremost look to get our federal government in order. That's why smaller government is my number one priority. And that's what I would be focused on, uh, you know, mostly as a US Senator is to say, hey, look, we have got a enormous problem with our budget. We do need a balanced budget amendment. Um, 32 to $33 trillion now in debt is unbelievable. It's completely unsustainable. I think also with respect to limiting the size scope of the federal government and its impact and burden on everyday Utahns, we've got, we've, we absolutely have to take a chainsaw to the regulatory state. I mean, we have hundreds of federal agencies that are promulgating thousands and thousands of rules that we all have to live under. And these folks are not accountable. They're not elected, they're unelected bureaucrats. Mike Lee has proposed the RAINS Act, R-E-I-N-S, it's to rein in the federal government. And we need to do that because the federal government, um, it's about a $4 trillion hit to our economy and about ten dollars to $20,000 uh, for the employers per employee to come into compliance with all this regulation. And being a, uh, having been a small business owner myself and helping taking a, uh, taking a company public and talking to so many other business owners, this is a huge, huge impact to, to them. We need to instantly lower the, the size, scope, and burden of our federal government on every, average, everyday Utahns. And that's exactly what I would do getting into the U.S. Senate day one. Yeah, no, that's great. I think these three-letter agencies, all of these unelected bureaucrats legislating, so many of those need to just go or at a minimum be drastically cut. So I appreciate that you recognize that. Are there other areas or what would you say is the biggest threat to our republic here in the United States? Well, it's it really is. It's that encroachment of federal government. That's why we need smaller government. And whether that's encroachment with wokeism, as we talked about earlier, you know, and and really trying to um, uh, compel uh, people to uh, to accept uh, really what amounts to an ideology, right, um, with this wokeism, or whether it's taking federal agencies and weaponizing them the way that we've seen and really just an assault on people's free speech and on political expression. Um, it's just really insane what is happening in those areas with, with high and exorbitant taxation. Um, we're at tax levels and, you know, there's more, tr more revenue in the Treasury than there's ever been. So we do not have a revenue problem at all. It's the spending problem or that spending that's just piling on trillions of dollars in debt that's um, causing, you know, so much 
of our federal budget now to have to go towards interest payments on this debt and stacking that on top of all of our kids and successive generations. Uh, any of those areas, uh, that's, that's really what I think is the biggest problem. What I'm hearing from Utahns is I'm traveling the state uh, all across the state. That's what we're hearing. Uh, one other issue that I could point out too that I know is somewhat unique with Utah is public lands. And it is that the federal government owns or controls about two thirds of our land in our state. And you know, back east, maybe 5% on average, east of the Mississippi, um, these states have 5% or so of their property that is owned or controlled by the federal government. But with Utah at 66%, Nevada at 80%, uh, a lot of these Western states that are so overly controlled by the federal government in terms of our lands, that's an area where I think we can build a coalition and finally move the ball. You know, as a senator, you can serve on various committees. And the three committees I would ask for right away is to be on finance, um, on public lands, uh, which also covers natural resources, and then also uh, small business and entrepreneurship, I think is a great committee for me. And uh, I, I want to be able to um, sit on those and really it really moved the ball here. And I think I can do just that. Yeah, a lot of the talk in all of Utah, but especially down here in southern Utah in regard to public lands, there's also water is always a hot topic. So are there things, plans that you would have as a U.S. senator to help with the water situation here in Utah? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's got to be a priority. We are we're living in the second most arid state in the country. And so uh, we do need, and, and you're seeing that there in Washington County in particular, um, we've got a huge need to ensure sufficient water resources for our people. Um, and, and absolutely, uh, to the extent that the federal government can help, uh, whether it be through you know, various projects uh, and to ensure that we have the water resources that we need, we absolutely need to be able to do that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on digital ID and central bank digital currency? Do you see that at all as a threat to America or what's your position on that? Well, I do. Anytime you have the word central. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> in something. And, and that's what our founders understood and appreciated. I mean, a central government, they, they wanted in terms of both um, horizontal and a vertical a separation. Uh, they they wanted to be able to have uh, those separation of powers and decentralized government to the extent that they could, where those powers resided with the people first and then their localities. You know, that federal government was supposed to have or does just have per our constitution, very limited and defined uh, roles, responsibilities. So um, when you have anything that is centralized, there's a much greater opportunity for abuse to happen and for people's liberties uh, to be in danger. And so I, I see that with a central bank digital currency, uh, all kinds of issues there with respect to privacy and uh, the ability to really be free uh, and, and have access to, uh, to your own money, right? This is your labor. Uh, these aren't just digital credits somewhere. Uh, this is this actual people's labor, their their income, their money. And um, there are a lot of concerns around that for me from what I've seen. Right. 
Would you have voted to send money to Ukraine? Uh, no, I, I would not, and definitely not in the way in which it's been done with with a blank check. Um, that is something where there's been next to no accountability. You know, we saw recently there was a six billion dollar accounting error. Uh, I mean, what is going on here? And and why why is the United States putting up 130, 140 billion dollars to Ukraine, which isn't even a member of NATO? Um, they they aren't. Uh, they aren't in our backyard. Uh, Europe has only put up about $20 billion, and this is right in their backyard. So I think we've had an enormous foreign policy blunder. The neocons that are running most of the State Department and um, have really commandeered a lot of the elected officials and policymakers on this are, are doing us a disservice. We can't continue uh, to fund everything I mean, we're borrowing the money anyway at this point, and uh, largely from China, and it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I, I had a conversation too about uh, just even NATO expansion. I mean, we're expanding NATO, uh, and we're growing that organization greater than we did during the World War II era, which the whole goal of that was to deter Russia. And here we're admitting nations like Finland now, letting them come on in, and they're not even committed to pay the 2% uh, that they're supposed to pay, you know, commit about 2% of their GDP towards obligations of security there through the NATO alliance. Um, this is this is highly, highly problematic. Um, we should not be doing this at all. If you're going to admit new members to NATO, they need to pay their fair share. Um, and it really needs to be in the interest of the United States. And sending $140 billion overseas um, engaging in a conflict with a country, um, you know, with Ukraine and, and Russia that's got, you know, is, is a huge nuclear power. I think there were opportunities to deter this and to handle it diplomatically before it escalated the way that it did. Um, and it's unfortunate that we're here now. And, and as I said earlier, $5 billion would finish our border wall. Right. And we're seemingly, those in Congress and those in the State Department are much more interested in the border security of Ukraine than they are of our own country. Yeah, great point. So coming up with this U.S. Senate race, it's still to be determined whether Mitt Romney will for sure be running again. I've heard rumors of Brad Wilson. To me, you are the clear choice with Mitt Romney. What would you say differentiates you with Brad Wilson if he ends up jumping into this race? Yeah, and, and this race is it's here. Um, I'm glad we're having this conversation now because we're only about six months away from the neighborhood caucus, March 5th, and then the state convention is a little over seven months away, and the primary is in the next nine to ten months. So we're we're here in this state. It's a race to the primary, and um, we are fully announced. We're in there, and I think we are yeah markedly different than Mitt Romney. Um, you know, Brad Wilson is indicated it's an exploratory run of his, and I. I think, again, I am someone who is not the establishment. Um, if you want somebody who is really not part of the establishment, who understands uh, the needs of, of everyday Utahns, uh, then then I'm your I'm your person. I really am. Um, I've demonstrated that in the ten years I've been in elected office. Um, you know, my understanding of 
of uh, Brad is is and you look at people that have donated to his campaign. It's the who's who of the lobbying world and the establishment players. Um, and and he has demonstrated to be, in my opinion, a very establishment player himself in his time in office. So uh, I, I think you look at you look at people's records and um, you can be able to gauge for yourself. Uh, but if you want truly an outsider and somebody who is going to be consistently conservative and fight for Utahns every day and understand what it's like for the average everyday Utah, uh, I'm that person. And I think I've demonstrated that time and again. Awesome. And who are you supporting for president in 2024? Well, I've I've endorsed President Trump. I had an op ed uh, that was recently published. And um, we, we came out in support of, of President Trump. I think that he's exhibited the type of leadership that we need to get back to. Uh, we, we talked about the energy independence that we had underneath President Trump. But we didn't talk about the tax reform. You know, 2017, I thought was a great, uh, the, the tax reform bill. And I know my residents and many Utahns benefited so greatly as a result. The conservative appointments to the Supreme Court um, boy, I mean, with Roe v. Wade being overturned, I mean, just some great, great accomplishments. And I think on a foreign policy standpoint, you know, we we were so much, I think, viewed so much more strongly on the world, world stage uh, under President Trump than we are now. Uh, I experienced that firsthand as a mayor uh, of one of my one of my residents, Josh Holt, that was imprisoned in Venezuela unjustly, and for nearly a year and a half or more. Uh, languishing in that prison, and it was through some of our the work of of Mia Love, uh, Senator Hatch, and then of course President Trump, that really got in there uh, and ensured that we brought him home, and that to me is very personal. Um, I, and so I've seen those successes that President Trump was able to deliver, and I, I think having another term with him, our country would be well served. And that's why we've stepped up and uh, I've, I've decided to uh, to endorse President Trump. Awesome. I appreciate that for sure. So just a couple of minutes left. You've got a really great comprehensive website. What are some things, though, that maybe people wouldn't know about you from your website that you can share with us? Well, um, I, I I just get back to the point that I'm I'm truly an outsider, um, you know, and I I'm a fighter. I'm I'm consistently conservative. I, I think that that's all part of my upbringing. Um, maybe one thing not on the website is, you know, the fact I, I talk about this a little bit on my my launch video. But, you know, I, I grew up in a, a very large family. I have seven sisters and two brothers. And my father, you know, he started out as a as a, a high school teacher and a football coach. And we didn't have a lot of money. And I, I think I had to fight pretty much every day, uh, whether that's at the kitchen table, uh, getting bathroom time, um, just just amongst my own family. I can relate um, to and, that, by the way, with six older brothers. So I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's uh, been part of my my personality, and I've I've always um, done what I said I was going to do. I've I've always demonstrated that. Uh, I think if you look at my time in elected office, those things I said I would do, I've done. I've been able to get done, and have been consistently conservative, fiscally, socially, and led out on so many issues that people should know that I am going to really take on the establishment, and and that's what we need. We need that more than ever right now, 
we can't keep going down the same track. So we've got to send people back to Washington, D.C. that have exhibited that type of backbone and been able to push back against the establishment. Absolutely. Well, I've been really impressed with you. You've always readily answered any questions I have had. For those who are also impressed listening to this, what is the best way that people can support you? Where can they go to learn more? Go to TrentStags.com. That's S-T-A-G-G-S, TrentStags.com to learn more, to donate. We've been humbled with all the endorsements, but we appreciate all the support. Awesome. Thanks, Trent. Let's do it again. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner Podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down. This has been a production from a podcast studio.